Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Uh, we're going to keep talking about my Jesus, talking about who he is and what he did, what he said, how he taught. Uh, we're going to contrast. Uh, it's going to be neat to see the difference from this week to what happens next. He goes from sitting in a boat. We'll have to come back next week and see what happens next. But today he's going to be sitting in a boat. <clears throat> He's not going from one side of the lake to the other, and from the one side of the sea to the other. He's teaching. It's, it's really neat. But he's exposing the deceiver. I, I can't stand being deceived. I can't stand being lied to. I, I, just, I just hate it. Uh, have any of you guys ever got a friend request from somebody you already know on Facebook? You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> you get it, and you're thinking, huh, I wonder if they got a new account. Okay, friend request, or, or accept their friend request. A few minutes go by, you guys know what happens. So it's like, hello, how you do? You know, it's like, yeah, let's do this thing. Yeah, let's do this thing. That's how my friends talk. How you do? You know, it's like, uh, you just know it's a total scam. So the, 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 the responsible adult would just click the button that says report scam. That's no fun. Okay, I'm just telling you that's no fun at all. So you go, know how you do. You know, let's, let's play this. Let's game out. And, and, and they're going through it. I, I, I tell them about, you know, I said, did you ever hide that body? And, you know, just go through the typical things that a pastor would, you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because it'd be like calling the FBI. We've got this guy in here. Um, but, it, you know, the whole time and once in a while it will happen and I'm thinking, I get this firm request from somebody that I did their funeral. So I'm thinking, I already know it's a scam. <laughs> Unless heaven has Facebook. I don't know that yet. It was like, and, you know, and then the whole thing is they're trying to pretend to be somebody that they're not. Yeah. They're, they're trying to lie and deceive and manipulate to like where you trust them to where like, yeah, here's my information. Of course, I'm going to give it to you. We've been friends for years. The Bible tells us that Satan is the ultimate scammer. He's a scammer. Pretends to be one thing. The Bible describes him as an angel of light. When he came to Adam and Eve in the, uh, in the garden, he was a, the, the deceiver. He's been labeled as the deceiver through the Bible. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's, and he's so good at it. Adam and Eve didn't jump back and go, whoa, it's Satan. You know, he just slithered right in and they, they felt comfortable around it. And that's what happens when so many people have done this and say, I got in this internet scam, man, I thought it was good. I thought it was legit. They, they knew all the things to say and everything like that. And I end up giving my information. I was so dumb. Why did I fall for that? And I'm telling you that things, the same thing happens in life. Yep. Happens in life. God is real, and I'm telling you about my Jesus, but you have to know that Satan is just as real, and he's in the world today. Sometimes when we talk about Satan, we think, oh, like, you know, it's just this made-up character that we blame everything on when things go wrong. At the end of life, when we get to Revelation, I'm going to start with Revelation. I'm going to go back to Revelation because I want to expose the scammer. It says about the, excuse me, the, the devil... In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them is cast into the lake of brimstone, fire and brimstone. But his whole life, everything that he did, deceiving. It's what he did. 
with religion, relationships. I don't care what it is. He's, he's going to be that angel of light. He's going to lead people astray. You get down this path and go, how did I get here? Man, I felt so, it felt so real. It felt this way. And I, I thought I had it figured out and all these different things. Man, he is a liar and a deceiver. There's, there's people going to hell today that think I'm all good. Because we rely on so many different things to, to feel good about life and to feel good about that I grew up in church and I have this award on my counter and I, I, I have every plaque that you can get from Awana and I, I, I won the competition at Bible school and all these different things. Satan is the ultimate scammer. Mark gives this powerful passage. And, and a lot of what Mark does, I said, it's, it's an action book. He's, he's going and going and going. And Jesus immediately went here, immediately went here. And, and he's always talking about the, this fast-paced ministry of Jesus Christ. But Mark in this passage slows it down. And it is a long, it's almost most of this chapter is this teaching. So let's get the teaching. It's Mark chapter 1 verse, Mark chapter 4 verse 1. And he began to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered on him a great multitude. Well, like we kept saying, the crowds kept growing and people kept wanting to be around Jesus so that he entered into the ship and he sat in the sea. And this was not a typical way that a rabbi would teach, but they gathered around him so much that they pressed him that he was backing up. So they just put him in a boat, put him out there. People gathered around the shore and he began to teach them. And he's doing this thing. The whole multitude was by the sea on the land and he taught them many things by parables and he said unto them in, this, in his doctrine. So a parable is a statement or a story that is like an earthly story, like the parable of the sower, the parable of the queen, the parable of the lamp, the parable of the lost sign, all these different things. So it's something that me and you would relate. So if I give an illustration or whatever, and I'd say, I went to the store the other day. How many of you have been at Walmart? I've been to Walmart. Okay, so you're going to understand. So as he's talking about the parable of the sower, and the sower went out to sow seeds, a lot of them were like, oh, I get that. I've done that myself. I've sowed seeds. I, I grew up as a farmer and all these things. So he was giving a heavenly story or a heavenly doctrine with an earthly story to help them understand it. Jesus wants us to get it. I, 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 sometimes we, we try to impress people with words and things like, you never have to worry about me with that, okay? Because I don't know big words, so you're safe with me, okay? <clears throat> but we try to impress people. Jesus wasn't trying to impress them. He just wanted them to get it. And so this story begins, and he says in verse 3, Hearken, let me get your attention. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. Now, he doesn't tell the spiritual meaning, and I'll explain that here in meeting. So here's the story, the illustration. He's just casting this out there to kind of see who's interested in hearing truth. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and fell by the stony ground, and it came, and it had not much earth, and immediately sprang up, because it had no depth of earth, but the sun, when, <clears throat> when the sun was up, it scorched, and, became, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked and yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and yielded fruit as it sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears, let him hear. So he puts it out at the end of it. He goes, I, I, I want to teach you something. But he says, you have to have ears to understand because they rejected him as the Messiah, as the teacher. And so he breaks this down. And he starts talking about the hard ground. 
He talks about the path where they walked along. They, they, they sowed the seed and they would land it on there, but it didn't go anywhere because it was hard ground. And then, then he starts talking about the stony ground. It was, the, it was like a lot of rocks, stony ground, but it had dirt over the so- top of it. So the seed would actually begin to grow because it would take the nutrients from the top of that, but it had no depth. It wouldn't go anywhere because it was so shallow. It never reached any depth. Then the thorny ground where it grew, but because the thorns and the thistles and the weeds choked it out, were around it, it choked it out and it never grew because it was competing with the things of the world. Actually, you don't know that yet, so ignore that. <laughs> and then there was the good ground. <clears throat> and it had roots and it produced fruits because it was tapped into something that gave it nutrients to be able to grow. It says, if you have a hear, ears, let you hear. And then he says in verse 10, and when he was alone... They went with him, the twelve, to ask him the, about the, the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And he says in verse 14, And the sower soweth the word of God. So there's two parts to this first verse, okay? One is the sower, which is you and I. And the interesting thing about sowing is they they didn't just dig a hole and they planted the seeds. They would go out and they would spread the seed and they would do it kind of like you were doing grass seed. And so sometimes it would grow into some spots that would just fade away or it would turn into bird seed. Or sometimes it would land in the soil and it would be planted and it would grow. But the illustration was that there's people that sow the word of God. That's what we did this past week. You say, did the kids, all of them understand? That's not my job for every one of them to understand. My job is not to deal with the hearts. My job is to sow the seed. That, that is what your job is at work and at, at wherever you're at in the, the ball field or whatever. I just take the truth and I share it. You say, what if they don't receive it? That's not my job. I can't manipulate the hearts. I can't change them. All I can do is obey God and I share the seed. But the Bible says that the, the sower seeded, uh, sowed the seed, and the seed is the Word. The, the Word of God is powerful, and it's like a seed. It's amazing how you take, can take something that is this big. And I, I almost brought a seed in here to illustrate with this. A, a kernel of corn, or that, that seed for the corn, and you plant it in the ground, and it, and it turns into something that's taller than I am. And it will produce, and it will yield all this fruit, or the corn that comes off of it. It's all, so much power in something so small. The word of God is so powerful. You say, I share a verse, I preach the gospel, I was, I, was, I was just doing my job, I didn't have fancy illustrations, I didn't have this, but I told them what God said. It's powerful. The word of God holds power. That, that is why we're here today. That's why we have the, the teens sitting here, and that's why we're sitting in this room, to receive the word of God, because it's powerful. And it accomplishes so much, but when it's planted in the soil... I, I can't see what's happening. And sometimes when we plant the seed or we share the gospel or we raise our kids, you're like, I don't know if they're even getting it. That's where God does the work. God begins to do that power of the seed and the power of the soil and the power of the water. Begins to break down and begins to work underneath in the heart in a way that you can't visually see. It's the work of God, not the work of us or the work of the church. It's the work of God. But a seed must be planted in the soil. We call this the parable of the sower, but really it's the parable of the, of the, or the parable of the sower, but it's the parable of the soil. It's what it is. It has to be planted in the dirt. Now if you're wondering what that is, the dirt is the heart. The word of God has to be in the heart. It's not with the mind. You go and talk to people and say, "Do you know Jesus? Oh yeah, Jesus, I grew up in church. I know all those things. 
That's great. You got a knowledge of God. Salvation doesn't come from just knowing verses or knowing the gospel. It has to be planted in the heart. Anytime I give the gospel, I always reference Romans 10.9. If you guys notice, this one will not go to verse. Because it says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not just saying a prayer. It's not just repeating words. I could on a Sunday morning get up and say, if you want to go to heaven, the Bible says to say this prayer, everybody repeat after me and walk out of here and say, we had 500 people saved on Sunday. That's not true. 500 people might have said the words, but the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, he is Lord and believe in thine heart. I've said it very, uh, a bunch of times. Sometimes we miss heaven by like 14 inches, the distance from our brains to our hearts. And, and I know it's not actually the heart. And I know we say that, but the Bible references the heart. With the heart, it's the seat of emotions. It's the passion. It's the drive. I, when I met Jenny, <clears throat> I fell in love with Jenny. I pursued after her, not because I said, wow, she's cute. No, I, I want to know her. I, I love her. There was an affection there that I wanted to get to know her. And the Bible speaks about the heart. And when it hits the heart, it brings change. The seed that is planted all of a sudden becomes much different than it was before. It is drastically different. You can't stay the same. The Bible explains that salvation is going from darkness to light. It's a radical change. The Bible says that we're dead and then we're alive in Christ. It's a radical change. When we baptize somebody after they're saved, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life, you're drastically different. Talk about unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You know what the word repent is? A change of direction. I was headed this way. I had these drives and this <clears throat> habits and all these things in my life. And God turned me around. Not the same. The truth is there are a lot of people deceived. I'm not just talking about the gospel today. Because Jesus is not just talking to the world. He didn't just say, go sow seeds. He said, can I tell you the truth about the deception of the things that are happening in the world? He was teaching them that, number one, those that are deceived by Satan. Now, let, let me give you the teaching. This isn't my illustration. This isn't my visual. This is all Jesus. I'm just replicating it. And these were by this wayside, and the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan come immediately and take it away the word that was sown in their hearts. In the, the beginning of this, he talks about the ones that are hard-hearted. There are people that we talk to. You know what I'm talking about? Just like, I don't, uh, you're, 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 you're from the church. Yeah, I'm good. <clears throat> I don't need your religion. I don't need your, your, um, your church, your crutch, or all these different things that they talk about. You guys know what I'm talking about. A lot of people have this idea that the church is just after money and then the, uh, that, that's old-fashioned and, and, and Jesus was just a prophet and they almost get offended. I remember passing out tracks one time and the guy took the track right in front of me. He just ripped it up little piece by little piece and then took it and threw it over his shoulder as to say, get out of my face. I don't need it. That is that callous heart. And the Satan loves to work in that callous heart. The seed is sown, and all of a sudden, they, they begin to think, <clears throat> maybe this is true, or maybe they, they are different. And that, that service that I went to, maybe that was a little different. And then what happens is, Satan begins to whisper in their ears, the spiritual warfare, you don't need that. You knew that one preacher that one time. You know that one that they had on TV? He was a hypocrite. And all those things that he was embezzling all that money, they're, they're all the same. 
Satan comes and pulls it out. Spiritual warfare. Do you know why it's so important that we don't do a service like this? You know why I asked people to join me this morning at 8 o'clock? Because it's not the power of Fellowship Baptist Church. It's the power of God that works through the hearts and minds of people. It wasn't the fact that we had a great VBS because we had graphics and sets and music and all this stuff. It was because we preached the Word of God. There's power in the Word of God. But I promise you this, Satan is bigger and, and stronger than you are. So, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, no, no, he, he will tear you apart. He'll rip your face off. He doesn't care. That's why he's behind all the evil of this world where he, he's behind DUI accidents, he's behind child abuse, he's behind human trafficking, he's behind all these things. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. So the deception is, is, is to pull the truth out of their minds and deceive them by and doing it. And, and that's what happens. And Satan loves to keep people in this condition. It says, and when they had heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh the word of God that was sown in their hearts. Deceived by Satan. But can I show you another one? And, and we're going to get a little bit deeper because honestly, this doesn't really affect most people in here right now. You're like, yeah, I once was that way, but man, God got a hold of my heart. Praise God for that. Can, can we look at the next one? Deceived by emotions. And these are likewise when they had sown on stony ground, when they had heard the word immediately, they received it with gladness. Yes! Then say, oh, okay, what is it? Yeah, yeah, you're right, man, I really do need. No, they receive it with gladness. They hear of a moving message. Man, they, they, they go to a play at church. They, they watch a Christian movie, you know, something. Man, and they're just like, wow, that's so good, man. I haven't cried like that in a long time. Man, dude, I'm missing something like that. You know, it's, they're moved with this emotion of that. I'm looking for a fresh start. Man, I've been going through a hard time. I knew something was missing. And they, in this emotionism, they say a prayer, they get baptized. But you need to read the rest of the verse because it's not just a change of mind. It is a change of heart. It's not just a change of mind. It is a change of heart. Get this part, verse 17, and have no root. Listen to this. this is that, I'm, I'm about to say and preach some things that are going to be very uncomfortable, but let me tell you, so did Jesus. And he was saying it because of the fact that there were so many people confused and so many people going down the wrong road and so many people that were manipulated. The spiritual warfare that's going on around in their hearts and minds, they have no root in of themselves. Receive the word with gladness. Yes, I like it, but, but the, the rest of it is they'd never hit their heart. And on the outside, there was something there, but the part that you can't see, it never reached their heart. There was never true conviction. There was never a change of direction. Never fruit. Without root, there is no fruit. Because the root is what taps into the heart of man to change them. The root is where we're tapped into God. We have a relationship with God. We're sealed by the Spirit of God. And you're able to produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faith. All these things that come out of your life. That is not you. It is God working through you to do what you cannot do. That's why we'll have people that make emotional decisions. I'm a changed man. And then they go right back to the same stuff that they did before. No, you had a changed mind. You wanted something. It wasn't a change of heart. It's just real and happens all around it. For every person that's growing up in church, you're going, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it. There's no root. <clears throat> There's nothing deep. Did you notice it has no root in of themselves? 
I think sometimes we raise our kids based on the roots of mom and dad. We have this idea that we raised them in church and they went to church and they went to church and they went to church because they, they, it wasn't the root that they had to get up and take them themselves. And I, and I know kids will be kids and teens will be teens and young adults will be adu- young adults. I get that. But I, I know that it's easy to follow into the emotions of just walking through a spiritual robot. So you guys know what I'm talking about. I sing the songs. I carry the Bible. I, I do this. And then they go off to college and it's like, I don't know what happened. There was no root. You just follow suit. And I think that even people that come from really strict backgrounds of other churches that, that, are, that have a lot of legalism, you just hear me out when I say this, that it's easy to do a list and you check off the boxes. I go to church, I raise my hand, I give in the offering, I serve, I do this, but it's a checklist. And to the point where they get to where it's a checklist is not there and they go off and all of a sudden you can't get them into church and they're living a totally different lifestyle. And you say, what happened? It, it, it was no, there was no root. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you know what love is? It's a desire. When you receive Jesus Christ, I'm not saying that you are perfect, but there should be a desire. Not based on just your spouse, not just based on your kids, not just based on the pastor, not just based on guilt, but a desire to do what's right and a desire to be close to God. There should be a desire. Love is a desire. It's a drive. Watch what happens, and afterwards, when the affliction and persecution comes, when life happens, when the feeling passes, when things get complicated, it arises for this word's sake, it goes against what you feel in your heart. Immediately, they are what? They're offended. I'm done with this. Man, I'm so sick of church, and I'm I'm done with my parents, and I'm not going to have them shove that down my throat. They're, They're done, they're offended. (laughs) They're going to write you off. And I see this all the time with people. They're they're, they're just, it's like, but I saw them go to church as a kid. And oh, he was so cute with his little Bible. And guys, I'm not saying, listen to me. I don't know the hearts of anybody. What I'm trying to do is preach the passage, preach the visual to the best of my ability. But the Bible is saying they will not last. Listen, they are immediately, for the word's sake, persecution comes. And it says that they, go back to the beginning of verse 17, no root of themselves, so they endure for a, for a time. They show up, they do their thing, walk through the door, and then they fade out. I don't know we backslide. Guys, listen, we backslide. There's things that, but at the same time, when, there's backslide, when you're backsliding, you know something in your heart saying, man, I need to get back. You're not offended where, hey, why don't you go to church? Will you get off my back? I don't view it like you do, and I don't have to be in church every Sunday like you and mom do all the time for me to be a good person, okay? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, buddy, okay. I was just asking because I want you in church. I just, I just know, you know, you, you were raised by the, I know how I was raised, and you shoved it in my throat, and I had to go everywhere, and, but I'm just, that's just not me, okay? I'm finding my own way. Why are you so offended? Where is the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering that comes from the root of the Word of God changing your heart? And I know what happens. They get into sin. And mom and dad goes after them and says this. And, and guys, listen to my heart when I say this. I'm just saying I see it so much. You know better. 
me and mom, me and mom raised you so much better than I don't understand. And, and I've said the same words. And I'm not saying that you're wrong for saying this. Because they obeyed for a while. If it never changed their heart, there won't be fruit or actions that come out of it. It's a danger. When we label someone as saved when there's no desire for the things of God. There's a danger. I don't know their hearts. I'm not going to label them as lost either, by the way. Okay, hear me? But I know that there's a danger when we say, oh, I know, and, and we even tell our kids, when they, they hear nothing about the Bible, nothing about repentance, nothing about joy, nothing about doing anything that they don't have peace, they're falling apart all the time, it's just like, but you were saved when you were four. I remember you said those words and you prayed with mommy. And they're like, maybe they were saved when they were four. I don't know. But the Bible tells us you shall know them by their by their fruits. I don't know their hearts, but I can say that I can know them by their fruits. Not saying that, and even the Bible went through and he says, when we get to that passage, he said some 40, some 60, some 100 fold. Not everybody's going to produce like this. Not everybody's going to be that zealous missionary getting on a plane and going to another country. But there will be apples on an apple tree and there will be tomatoes that come from a tomato plant. Because it's a natural growth. It naturally happens. Nobody plants a seed and goes, come on, you can do it. Come on, buddy. One more. You can do a tomato. You can't force it. Just plant something. Watch what happens. You water it. You water it. You water it. But God gives the increase. Something naturally happens inside of it because it's made to do that. Because it's tapped into something that gives us a nutrient to be able to do what couldn't happen before. It's God. Deceived by Satan. Deceived by emotions. Deceived by the world. Verse 18, and when they were <clears throat> which were all sown among the thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world. Listen to this. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness. We've heard that word before. The deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. They hear the word. They receive these things. It's not a matter. They can quote the books of the Bible. They, they, they go to church. They have all these things. That they, they, they have that look. Man, I think you have great potential. Mom and dad are proud of you. Or I, I see that new Christian, that new convert. Man, I see that. Man, they've been faithful three weeks in a row. Praise God for that. Okay. So there's there. But all of a sudden, they get choked out by the things in this world. Because there's a battle for their hearts. It says in verse 19, and the cares of this world, the, the things of this world begin to pull them away. Now I'm going to say some things that I know I'm going to step on toes. And I'm going to say some things that I know people are going to be upset with. We were created by God. I don't care how hard the soil is. Listen to me. I don't care how hard the soil is. When, when, when Paul was talking and he said, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. You guys know what I'm talking about. You take the soil... And you talk about people being saved and people being changed. Where does faith come from? I want my kids to have faith. I want, I want my neighbors to have faith. I want my spouse to have faith. Where does it come from? I want you to have faith. And you should have faith. Have faith. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need this. That's why we train up a child in the way they should go. I'm going to put them under the word of God. And I'll tell you what the water does is it breaks down the soil. You put water, I don't care how hard the soil is. You keep dumping water on it, it's going to turn to mud. It's going to soften. It's going to do what you could not do. Even if you went out there and like busted it up or whatever with a shovel or whatever, you can't do what the power of the water of the word of God does. You can't. So here's the thing. What our kids need, and I keep saying kids because I think me being a youth pastor going through Bible school, this is heavy on my heart right now. And I, but I say for everybody, we need this. They need this constant pouring of the word of God into them. Constant. And what happens is, it says, and the, and the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches... And the lust of other things enter in. Over time, when this has been so faithful, and, this, and I see this all the time, <clears throat> this is what happens. It's like, hey, we had a really busy weekend. We didn't get to go to church like we wanted to. Soil's getting a little dry. Sign my kid up for T-ball. He loves that. But man, I hate that he has to be in church every... He, 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 we had to pull him out of church. But I'll tell you, he, we still love Jesus and he's still there. Okay, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. 13, 14 years old, another sport, another activity. We, get, we work so hard during the week, man, it's just hard for us to get in church. Man, we're so exhausted, but we click on and we try to watch it online when we can. And now that's great. If you're sick, go ahead and use the cameras. But don't make a priority over any sport in the world over the Word of God. Amen. What happens is, after a while, things begin to get hard in their heart. And this is just what happens. Come on, kids, we need to go to church. Oh, Dad, I'm so tired. We, we haven't gone in weeks. Why are we going now? Listen, Dad, we need to be in church. We need to get there. But, Dad, I have no friends, and I have nobody to talk to. And it's just not the same as it used to be. That's because you haven't been there in three months. And the cares of this world and the de- deceitfulness of riches and working overtime and doing this and the lust of other things entering in. What happens, it says that it chokes it out. It, it just, that, 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 that sport, that activity, the job, the overtime, the, the time on the lake, the, the camping all that time, everything, it just, it just chokes it out. And you're just saying, Pastor Tony, are you saying that if my kids play sports, they're going to die and go to hell? No, sir. Not at all. Not at all. Actually, I've seen some of you guys do this, and you do an amazing job at it. Actually, you set the example that church is still the priority. Serving is a priority. Being here is a priority. I'm not dogging sports whatsoever. But I will dog anything all day long that takes the priority over the Word of God. All day long. Because they need the Word of God more than they need, that they need awards. They need that more than a scholarship. They need anything. Have you ever wondered why we have such amazing things that happen when the teens go to camp? Because this is what happens. We take away all the distractions of everything that wants to choke it out. And instead for a week, it's just this. 
And the word of God is powerful. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But there's so many things. I feel like the weeds and the thorns of this world are so thick today that, that even we're tempted even to sit in church and not get on, get, watch some sort of message or see what's coming up. And we're constantly distracted by everything under the sun. It just chokes it out. And all of a sudden, my affection, my heart, my mind is in another direction. And no longer is it on the word of God. And it pulls you away from that which you need that's a priority in your life. You want to make a difference in your kids' lives? Make a priority of about giving them the word of God on a consistent basis. Because it will change their lives. <clears throat> you know why this is so important? Satan can't compete with the power of the word of God. He just can't. I'll tell you what he can do. Keep your weekends busy, buddy. That's what he does. All he does is pull us away from what we need most. Truth is, there's a lot of deceived people. Number two, truth is that the word of God will change your life. It says in verse 20, And these which are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and bring forth fruit. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Did I skip anything? Such as hear the word of God and receive it and bring forth fruit. See, the thing is, it's not just the word of God, but all of a sudden because the word of God has done the work and softened and it's planted into the heart of man, and they, they accept the word of God, they accept the salvation, and all of a sudden it begins to plant a new heart, a new vision, a new goal, a new priority in your life. And God begins to do the good, uh, the change in your life. And <clears throat> says in that verse, and these are they which are sown on good ground. Go back to that verse. I have planted Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. That hard heart, I don't care what it is. It begins to be changed by the power of the word of God. God begins to pour into it, be able to break it down. I don't care who they are. That, that, is, that is why it is so important that we're faithful to these things. And when we have kids that are in classes and things, that we pour in the word of God that waters, fertilizes, changes from the inside out. One day it just hits home. For me, I was 16 years old. I grew up in church. I knew it inside of me. Guys, I, and I'm not bragging. Yeah, I'm bragging. Let me brag for a minute. I memorized the books of the Bible forwards and backwards. Okay, I was that, I was that smart in the word of God. Going to hell. Going to hell. Awana, I had every one of the vests and all of the words. Every single one of them. My parents were in it. I had every single one of them. Going to hell. Because I never hid it in my heart. And then one day, August, in the late 90s, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal, no, in the late 80s, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I began to take my Bible, I began to read it every single day, and my friends even made fun of me at some point, and they said, man, you, what are you going to be a preacher with? I'm not saying that. I just had a, I had a draw, and I had something in my life, and all of a sudden, God began to do things in my life and I'm not saying this to brag, but I, I, I wanted, I, I pursued after God, and I had a drive to be in church. I had a drive to be involved. I had these, there was, there was an evidence that was there that was not there before. 
And I know we're all different. It says in that passage, and some bring forth fruit, some 30 and some 60 and 100. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't say that none brought forth none. Because when the word of God was in the hearts of man, it changes you from the inside out. You will be different. And you can walk around and be able to say, I see a love in your life that I didn't see before. And why do you go to church? I see that drive in you. I see that passion. And man, you used to never have the patience as a dad like that. Man, something is growing in you that it makes you drastically different than you were before. If there is no root... There will be no fruit. But the question is, why was God teaching this? What was the whole point of him talking about how many people don't have root, but they appear to? And here it is. The, I go back to Revelation. He was, the truth is that hell is real. And God knew that. He said in Revelation, let me take you back to that deceiver, because this is the work. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And the fearful and the unbelieving. You know what the unbelieving is? Those that had it in their heads but didn't have it in their hearts. And the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do you believe the Bible is being specific here? Do you see that? The Bible is being so specific as it gets into this passage and he talks later about there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a game. From the very beginning of time, God established hell to do away with sin, not to throw his children in. We are born in sin. I have sin. Do you know what I would do if I could take cancer out of Logan's body? I would throw it to the very depths of hell for it to be killed and destroyed for all eternity. Does anybody else feel that way about cancer? Do you feel that way? Do you realize that what salvation is? That God was reaching into the heart of man to rip out the sin and says, I want to cast it to the very pits of hell. Then God offers salvation and says, let me, let me take your sin. Let me do it. Let, let me pay it on the cross. Let me cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we, in our pride and our arrogance, no, I'm fine. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my boss. I don't need religion. I don't need that crutch. Let me tell you where the, where the worm dieth not and the, choir, the fire is not quenched whatsoever. You know why? Because it is a place of torment that was made to destroy the sin and the curse of this world. The truth is hell is real. In that passage, he repeats this over and over again about the, the depths of hell and everything, the weeping and gnashing of teeth because it's hopeless. He, he describes it in, in Revelation 21, verse 8, that this is the second death. Do you know why hell is described as the second death? Because once you're there, there's no going back. It's done. Game over. No redo. No, no, I, I've changed my mind and I want to talk to him. The rich man in hell, I just beg you to send somebody to put a drop of water on my tongue. Just beg of you. Deceived in this world. You're good. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I love the fact that when God tells us in Revelation, He said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the beginning. God, I'll give you a fresh start. I was there at the beginning of time. I created, I start all things new. 
buried in the likeness of death, raised to walk in newness of life. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. As we go through life and we reject Christ, when it comes to the end of your life and the end of time, you will bow before him as King and Lord. You will bow before him in your sin. You will be cast into utter darkness into hell because of the fact is you rejected the one on the throne that died to save you. That's the truth. But I have good news. Can I tell you I have good news? In the end of that passage, he, he begins to say about what he did. And the truth is that there is hope for everyone. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is thirst of the fountain of water freely. Freely. For those that are craving something and more, you have an inward thirst, an inward desire that only God can change and only God can fix. And that's what I'm praying for today, that the Spirit of God will work in this room because I know if I was 16 years old and grew up in church and I, I, was, I played, I had all that battle going on in my head, I believe that there's others here as well. That maybe you are led by emotions or you've been deceived by Satan or, or, or you've been distracted and all these other things that happened. But I'm telling you, not everyone that stands before God saying, Lord, Lord, will enter into the gates of heaven. So, but Pastor Tony, my heart is so hard. I've done so many things. For you to think that there, there's no hope for my kids, they're so hard, they will not even listen to me. Can I tell you what I have that's pretty cool and powerful? I hold here something that changes radically anybody. Is not my word like as a fire? Saith the Lord, is it not like a, a hammer that breaketh the rocks into pieces? That when the word of God gets into the room and gets into the heart, you just say, I don't care how hard it is, the word of God begins to break down the lies, the deceit, the manipulation, all the spiritual warfare that goes on. His word, the word of God is powerful.